I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 70 of Season 6 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week is John Parker of the Bat Minute. na 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 Welcome back, John. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. Or as we say in Liverpool, all right there, lads. I'm, I'm not actually from Liverpool, but... <laughs> I'm not doing the voice. <laughs> okay, no, no need, no need. It's okay. <laughs> I might have been here for 17 years, but I'm not doing it. Okay, <laughs> that that that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so minute 70 begins with uh, Potter continuing to give George an offer that he hopes he won't refuse, and ends with Potter continuing to still try and butter up George. So yesterday we ended things with uh, Potter basically telling George how much uh, he means to the city and how or town and you know and George is so so intelligent and you know he he thinks he's he's one of the only people who's on the same level as he is and today yeah. he continues by saying now I have stated my side very frankly now let's look at your side mm-hmm. young man. 27, 28, married, making, say, $40 a week. So, first of all, this is a very smug response, the way that he's saying it, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and George doesn't really pick up on it. And once again, George is clueless. Wait, he's too nice. He does, He wouldn't see why somebody would be saying something negative like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true also. It's a very good point. Um, I like the fact that he gets... George's age, right? By saying that he's, uh, yeah. you know, 27, 28, that that is actually how old George is. I mean, George, as we know, was born in uh, 1907. So if now is 1930, mm-hmm. 33, 34, he's somewhere in that range. 26, 27, 28. Again, we don't we don't know the exact date of what's going on right now. So, but but he's definitely in in the right ballpark here. Yeah. Um, how much do you think forty dollars in nineteen thirty-three is worth in twenty twenty-three? Oh, whoa, whoa! Um, forty dollars ah, in in. Hmm, I'm gonna think. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, no one ever said this was gonna be easy coming on my show, John. Come on. No, bloody hell. Uh, and how how. Let me see the dialogue again. How much was he doing? Was that per week? He was saying forty dollars a week. Uh, let me think. I'm gonna say, I don't know, five hundred. 
Okay, it's worth uh, nine hundred and forty-six dollars. Oh, whoa! Okay, more than I was expecting. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, yes. that's. I mean, obviously, if you've got a big family, that might be, that might not be the best. But to me, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's good, you know. That's right. I haven't got a family though. I've, I have a cat sitting on my lap right now. Okay, so you would be happy with that with with the equivalent of that forty dollars then? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, that's that's good. Exactly. <laughs> and but then again, we don't know. I know inflation and stuff, but other things like other costs are different. Uh, you know, maybe it kind of doesn't work out the way we're thinking about it. Right. And and then George responds and goes forty five, and he says it in a very calm fashion. Also, you know, it's a very matter of factly. It's not forty dollars; it's forty five dollars. You know, hey, get it right, get it right. If you're gonna, well, if you're... I think he wants he wants to appear more successful. I mean, he's telling the truth. Yeah, it's forty five dollars, but he's like, no, no, get get it right, get it right. I do well. I make forty five. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that is definitely fair. You know, making sure that that, that that he understands exactly what it is that, uh, you know, and how much do you think $45 is? That extra $5 is going to be an insane amount, isn't it? It's going to be like another, I don't know, like another $100 added on or 200 or something. Um, so it is a total of 1065 So it's an extra $120. There you go. See, ah, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's nuts, but, but but it's it's amazing to think about exactly. Yeah, like it, the way money changes is fascinating to me. You know, I love I love me punk rock and stuff. So you know, I've got a lot of books on it, and you see, like in the books, they'll have like tickets, and it'll be like the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and Buzzcocks, all three on one gig, and it'll be like two pounds for the tickets. <laughs> what <laughs> these days that would be like. If, if all the bands could, were still alive, you know, um, it would be hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> Potter responds, 45, 45. Out of which, after supporting your mother and paying your bills, you're able to keep, say, $10 if you skimp. So, again, he's starting to show how much he actually knows what's going on here. Mm, that's a bit creepy. He's investigated yes. him. That's right. You know, as far as he's concerned, he knows that you know that George is is you know paying his paying for his mother and things like that. So I don't know. It's a little strange. Mm, yeah, I think he's had someone watching him. Uh, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me mm. if that's what he was doing. He's got the money and the power. Um, he's definitely got the money and the power to do that. <laughs> you know, and and he he apparently does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean he he he's done his research. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And and then he continues and says, "Well, a child or two comes along, and you won't even get to even say save the ten dollars." You know, Look at kids ruining everything. That's right. Now, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying before about that. If if uh, five dollars is one hundred and twenty dollars in today's, so that's it's close to two hundred and forty dollars. 
Um, so th- that's already pretty, pretty amazing. You know, that, that yeah. what he's saying here is, you know, this, this $240 that you have, that you've been saving, your kids are going to take that, uh, that ability away from you very quickly, which makes sense. Well, that, that makes sense. That's the first thing where I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That, that doesn't sound good. If, if that's like an average childcare kind of cost then, oh boy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's taken a lot of money out of his pocket. <laughs> he's right. Right. But again, it makes sense. I mean, it is something that that uh, you know people need to to to, to deal with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, back then and uh, even now. <laughs> yeah, you know that, um, it's that's not, not it's something not cheap that's that's to have a kid, You know. <laughs> Correct. Correct, and it makes sense. And then he, he continues and, and says to him, now, if this young man of 28 was a common, ordinary yokel. Now, <laughs> I love the fact that he just <laughs> uses that term because that is not something that you would think that uh, Henry Potter would say. No. <laughs> it, you know, it sounds, it sounds like it's something that, that, that would be more on the level, uh, you know, wouldn't, someone who's on a less sophisticated level. I think he's trying to speak George's language, almost. Like you're you're a normal person. This is how you lot speak. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. Do you, do you know what a yokel is? Isn't it? I I always hear it used as like a kind of um, like a like a countryside person, like a hillbilly kind of a, a hick. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, the, the, the idea basically is a yokel is a derogatory term referring to the stereotype of unsophisticated country people. Mm. Um, and I'm it, trying to think if we have an equivalent of that here. I mean, we, we've got that equivalent person, like people who live down in like we've got places like uh, Cornwall and that. And um, that's I suppose that's the equivalent we would have. People would stereotype them that that sort of a way. But I don't know if we have a word for it, really. Mm-hmm. English listeners are probably shouting at me, going, "Yeah, we do." <laughs> you know, usually, yokels are people that are depicted as straightforward, simple, naive, and easily deceived, failing to see through false pretenses. They're also also depicted as talking about uh, uh, simple topics like cows, sheep, goats, wheat, alfalfa fields, crops, tractors, and uh, pretty much nothing else. <laughs> They're portrayed as unaware or uninterested in the world outside of their surroundings. Mm. Now, this is something that's related to you. In the UK, yokels are traditionally depicted as wearing the old West Country dress of a straw hat and white smock, chewing or sucking a piece of straw, and carrying a pitchfork or a rake, listening to grumpy and Western music. (laughs) Absolutely. That's how I picture them. There used to be a comedian who his whole character was he just looked like that when he was doing his comedy yeah because and, and he put i think he he was from the west country but he would put the accent on more he would exaggerate it a bit you know to be like playing up stereotypes but you know when, if you're making stereotypes of your own people that's fine that's different mm-hmm. <laughs> right you're allowed to do that that's right and then it says here yokels are portrayed as living in rural areas of britain such as the west country east anglia the yorkshire dales and wales they speak with yeah, country dialects from various parts of Britain. Yeah, they're quite. Um, the accents are quite strong. Uh, it's hard enough for us to understand them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, that's, that's cool. Fair. You know, 
That's yeah, fair. It's all, all differences. I like embracey differences, you know. That's right. And synonyms for yokel include bubba, country bumpkin, hayseed, chaw bacon, rube, redneck, hillbilly, and hick. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard of most of those. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a band. I think they might actually be English, right? Which is controversial because they're playing Americans. There's a band. They do ACDC covers, but they're they're Hicks, so they're called Hayseed Dixie. Mm. <laughs> and they do yeah, it's like country fied ACDC songs. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not not familiar with it. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, not familiar. <laughs> so basically, you know, he, he just refers to him as a, a, you know, what if he was, he's not some, your typical uh, ordinary yokel. Uh, but if he was, I'd say he's doing fine. But George Bailey is not a common ordinary yokel. He's an intelligent, smart, ambitious young man who hates his job who hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. A young man who's been dying <laughs> to get out of this, uh, get out on his own ever since he was born. Yeah. A young man, smartest one of the crowd, mind you, and watch his friends, and then he gets cut off. But again, it goes back to the fact that he really has done his homework here. Yeah, he, he knows what George wants to hear. That's right. I mean, I guess that that is part of the idea of being a good businessman you know, uh, knowing what, you know, what your crowd wants to hear. Yeah. That's the one thing you can say about Potter, right? Love him or hate him. He is a good businessman. Correct. He makes money, which is kind of the objective, you know? Correct. So. He's, he's a, uh, conniving, uh, uh, businessman, but, but, you know, he still is good at what he does, even if he needs to sometimes use, uh, nefarious ways to get get what he wants. Yeah, yeah, and and I think he's exaggerating, you know, George's condition. Let's say because he he's like, okay, you you hate your job, and it's like, well, he doesn't hate it. He, he doesn't want to be doing it, but he's like, no, 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 you hate it. He wants to make him feel even worse about it in right. that moment. That's right. Because he, he's got problems with it, you know, and he wants to leave, but. Hate's a strong word, but no, you plant that seed in his head. Plant That's that right. seed. In, inception. Inception. Exactly. <laughs> that would be a cool idea. Inception in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, have a crossover. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Again, this is what this, is what this uh, new technology is for, for CGIing dead people into your movies. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... It's um, it, it, it comes down to the fact that it's you know George isn't offended by him saying this. We don't see on his face, you know, like how do you know all this? It it must be something that everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone's aware that George doesn't want to be here. That George does not like to fill him alone. That George wants to to somehow get to. Uh, you know, I traveled the world and stuff like that. So it's mm -hmm. it's interesting that that Potter is using this to throw it back in his face. Well, I think he, um, I think George kind of goes inside. He goes like, 
Ah, uh, yeah, there is some truth to what he's saying, though. You know, he's not he's not just being mean or anything. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do kind of want to leave. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it's it's a very interesting way to, you know, for for Potter to 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 try to outsmart uh, George here. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what he's ultimately trying to do here. You know, he wants to and make he's, sure. He's, he's close to getting it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, by by, by telling George the things that, that everyone seems to know, including Potter, you know, it seems to be the way to do this. Yeah. Which is, which is really fascinating to look at, to, to watch the way that this is being done. It's uh, It's manipulative, but... Is it wrong? Not, not necessarily. You know, right. he's just he's just talking. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the for the it, the last shot of of this this minute, we see George's face and he looks a little uncomfortable. But the question is, is he uncomfortable because he sees that Potter knows him so well, or is he uncomfortable because this is the truth? I'm going to give you the boring fence sitting answer, and I'll say I think it's both at once. I think he's like, oh, whoa, how did you know that? And also, ah, oh, yeah, but you, yeah, you do know that. That's that is true. Like you're not lying, <laughs> right? Okay, I mean that that's fair. That's definitely fair to to look at it from that perspective. Well, because as you know, not to spoil things, listeners, but uh, as you're about to see, it he's very close to going. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Right. I mean, again, that 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 we'll we'll deal with next week with, uh, you know, how Potter continues to try to to, to butter him up here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it goes to show that that, you know, once again, how intelligent and smart Potter is, that this is the tactic that he's taken on. Yeah, yeah. He, you get the impression this isn't the first time he's had conversations like this. He he does this all the time. Correct. And and finally, I mean, this is his way to try to you know take his uh, biggest uh, I don't know if you want to call him his enemy, but his biggest uh, competitor, mm-hmm. and find a way to deal with him. Yeah, yeah, and because he knows, like, if I just go and f- if I fight him, not literally, obviously, but if I fight him, I might not win. But if I treat him well and give him what he thinks he wants that's how i win right okay and and that works and i mean or it it seems to be working here because you know i guess the idea is that he's supposed to to make george feel like he's nothing before he's now about to build him up Mm. you know i think that's what it is he's he's going to bring him down as far as possible before he's about to to build him back up and say hey you know i have i have an offer for you yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, it's, a, it's a great scene. It's a great conversation. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, people in psychology classes uh, or maybe business classes use this scene. Absolutely, yeah. You know, because it, it, it really plays out well. And, I mean, I, I haven't given him enough credit, but, you know, the I love the fact that we see the, the, guy, the bodyguard standing behind him the entire time. I mean, this whole week we've seen him. Every time we see Potter, we see this guy just standing there frozen behind him. 
You know what? That's actually fascinating. I think this would be interesting for people to study. We've spoken all week and we haven't mentioned that guy. That's right. What, what, I think I think because part is such a compelling kind of character, you, you're focusing. You're focusing on everything he's doing and saying. And there's this looming guy in the background being intimidating, being intimidating without intimidating, if you know what I mean. He's, right. he's not doing anything. He's just there. You know. That's right. It's the implication. <laughs> right. Do, do you think that, I mean, he's there as as a bodyguard because he thinks that someone is going to possibly uh, attack him? <laughs> it could be that. It definitely could be. I, I see it as like, yeah, it's a way of... Um, it's a way, of, yeah, of intimidating in meetings without Potter having to say anything and be mean and shower. He's like, no, 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 just you stand there and look massive and scary. <laughs> and uh, that does it all. It's the psychological impact of that. And it's the power thing again. Look, oh, I've got people looking for, out for me. You can't do anything to me. Right. Okay, interesting. So the, the actor who plays him, who plays the bodyguard, his name is Frank Agney. Uh, he was born in 1884 and passed away in 1973. He lived to the age of uh, 89. He was originally born in uh, Australia before uh, moving moving okay, to the okay. state. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be blown off your chair at this point. How many oh, IMDb credits do you think this guy has? Okay, since you're asking that, it's either really high or really low. It's got to be one of the two. It is one you of the two. I question. will give you that. I'm gonna say, it's one of the I'm two. I'm going to say yeah. one. I'm going to say this is it. No. He has 451 IMDb credits. Whoa. Holy crap. I, I got to say, I don't think I've seen this number so high. I've seen people in the 300s, but I don't recall seeing someone who's had 451. I mean, that's just amazing. And are they like... Are they like big role? Not no, role, they're all are little they like roles. Big roles, or are they like goon and bodyguard? They're all little roles. Minor bartender, uh, minor <laughs> watchman, gunman, hey, there's, bartender. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but the, the the thinking was like, surely that's the only way to rack up that many. If you were starring in stuff, you haven't got the time. That's right. But I mean, that's just an amazing number. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I should be keeping track of this to see like who has the most. <laughs> Actually, please do make a ranking. I'm I'm that lame. I would make like a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, it makes sense. He was he was also a stuntman and a professional boxer. Oh. And he was the sparring partner of heavyweight Jack Johnson. Oh, okay. Uh, that that's impressive as well. Yeah. He played Indians, gang members and lawmen in westerns. Over the years, oh, back when it was absolutely fine for a, just a, a random like white guy to play a Native American. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was Australian, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that gives him some some uh, possibility. I, <laughs> I somehow know. somehow that seems just as bad because you know Australians were. Yeah, I love Australia, I do, but you know, it hasn't got the best history with the you know Aboriginal people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Says me from England, who treated most of the world terribly. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, John, you have anything else you want to say about this minute or uh, about the movie in general? No, I think I've uh, I've definitely done all for the minute. And um, 
I think I've hit on everything for the movie in general. I just, I, I love it. I love it. And th- thank you for um, making it easy for me to watch again. Because, you know, not to not to be um, too personal, but, you know, it was difficult for the last couple of years to uh, to watch this because I had such associations with the with the X. Um, so this this gave me a real good reason to watch it. And it's back in my yearly rotation, baby. I'm glad that you were able to, to, to break out of that. Uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to help. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. So every Friday we have a segment called Oscar Oops. So the the idea behind this segment is that over the 95 years of Oscar, there have been uh, many different uh, calls that that different people, some people think were the right ones and some people think were the wrong ones. And, uh, you know, we we all have them. And there are people who say that, that this movie should have, uh, you know, won Best Picture over the best years of our lives. There's some people who don't. Doesn't it? We're, we're not going there at this point. And the yeah, whole life quality, yeah, exactly. And so, basically, the the idea is, is that uh, every week my guests will tell me their top five movies that they think should have won Best Picture that uh, didn't win. Now, obviously, uh, it has to actually be a a movie that was uh, nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, mm. you can't say that every Batman movie should have won, you know, because <laughs> the only one, the I, only I, one that came close was The Dark Knight, and uh, you know, and if if that would have been, you know, on on the the chopping block that year, it definitely, in my opinion, would have would have won, but you know, it wasn't, so yeah. I can't even I can't even go there. <laughs> I I get why it wasn't though, because the Academy, I mean, it's if they're ever gonna embrace superhero movies i know that some of them have won awards now but they still they're looked down on aren't they um, yes i think it's going to take time for them to go no no hang on they're, they're the same as every other movie you know? yeah <laughs> um Correct. i do have a good uh, a good selection i think it might be a bit different to some people i'm hoping fingers crossed well that's the idea I've got, I've got a few. we're looking for a little bit of diversity in choices yeah people might think i'm a bit strange for some of them i don't care well we all think you're strange um, so that's fine well, I'm I'm strange at the best of time. I mean, come on, I'm a I'm a punk rocker who does drag and hosts three podcasts for some reason. S- stupid. <laughs> We're all crazy. <laughs> um, now, I the first few of them I sort of haven't ranked as such um, because I, they were kind of t- tied in my mind, you know. Um, no, but you gotta you gotta rank so them me, so that I can so that I can give them you know uh, so I can give them points. Okay. I can I can do that then. Okay, so first off, then number number five, I will put Forrest Gump beating Pulp Fiction was wrong to me. I want Pulp Fiction to win that, and I'm not even a Gump hater, right? It's cool now to hate Gump. I don't hate it. I just don't. I don't think it's doing anything new. It's just oh yeah, it's like a nice emotional story. Okay, Pulp Fiction. Who's ever seen a movie like that? Uh, beforehand, no one. After, yeah, uh, there there are many attempts. <laughs> too many, too many. After, yeah. <laughs> but like to completely reinvent. I, I don't even like gangster movies. To reinvent gangster kind of movies like that, and it's like that's revolutionary to me. It's unbelievable. Great movie. It's not even my favorite Tarantino. Should have won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm one of those weird people who I, I actually like a lot of the later Tarantino more. I'm, I'm strange. Like, I'm very much in the camp of 
Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards, those movies. Uh-huh. Okay. But I, I love Pulp Fiction as well. It's great. So that one, um, I'd say next I would go, I'm going to put Black Klansman should have beaten Green Book. Okay. I think Black Klansman is one of the best movies of the last 15 years. Uh, it upset me greatly. Green Book I found very average, run of the mill, paint by numbers. It was made to win an Oscar, wasn't it? You can tell immediately. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, you've made this because you won an Oscar. And that year as well, you also had The Favourite. That was another great top contender. That should have also been ahead of Green Book. What what on earth? Amazing movie. (laughs) But Black Klansman, that is such a... That's another one. It's doing something very different, very new. Um, And even the way that movie ends is nuts as well. It just, oh yeah, by the way, here's a bunch of real life modern footage. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't expecting that. That's right. Um, But yeah, Green Book, just boring, really. Okay, fine. So I guess then number three, I will put that Fargo should have beat the English patient. English patient again, fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's all right. Do I sit and talk about it and think about it and rewatch it? No, I don't. Fargo, I watch that all the time. Fargo's so good, there's now a TV show of it. <laughs> I, I, I still haven't had but chance again, to watch any of those episodes. I keep I keep wanting to, but I just never get around to it. Well, of any season? You haven't even seen season I haven't one. seen any season. I, I really want to. You know, I'm, I'm more of a movie person. I need to, you know, because I'm a completionist, as I keep mentioning. Yeah. Uh, so if I start watching a TV show, I have to watch the whole season at once. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm very similar. I'm very similar. So it, it has to be something special when it's a show for me. That's and, right. And, uh, and for me also, when, when there are TV shows, like even the, the latest Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows and all those things, I have to wait until they finish and then I'll watch them mm. because I don't want to watch them weekly. You know, I want to be able to... Get that. to you want to get into, like, a flow. That's right. Well, Fargo goes above and beyond, though, because it, it takes the concept of the movie, the core kind of idea, and remixes it. It doesn't. It's not like a remake of the movie or anything, the first season. It's like, no, 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 let's do something similar. Something similar happens to this character, but it's not the same. It's a difference. And then each season after that's completely different. It, it, it goes really, like weird <laughs> it's a very weird show but the original movie there i think that's a, that's another masterpiece but i also know why it didn't win an oscar it's right. not an oscar movie is it it's 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 weird it's dark it's comic at the same time as being about murders and it's uh, the, uh, the english patient is an obvious oscar choice yet again a bit like green but you're like yeah okay of course that was going to win that was always going to win wasn't it boring <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there's, a, there's a trend to these because the next one is exactly the same. I was very upset. The King's Speech winning over Black Swan because I think Black Swan, that's another one of my favorite movies of the last 15, 20 years. I think that's, it's very reminiscent of like a, a David Lynch film, something like that. It's very, very dark and not just because the swan's black. It's <laughs> like... It's really harrowing. It's like a horror movie without it being horror, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah. It's so messed up. And the, the ending is just, whoa. 
blows you away. Everything about it's memorable. I, I think about that movie all the time. And I've only watched it a couple of times, but it regularly pops into my mind. The visuals, everything. Incredible performances. King's Speech. Oh, right. Great. It's about that monarch who couldn't talk very well. And then he learned to talk better. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. The Black Swan is about the soul and everything and about oh, all kinds of stuff. There's like multi layers to that movie. King's Speech, I just even as a history buff, you know, um, it it's not that exciting. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not really? a Darren Ar- Ar- Aronofsky fan. The only movie of his that I love and it's, it's very weird. I, I, I dislike every one of his movies except for one. The Wrestler is the only one that I really love. Oh, OK, OK. I mean, that's one of my favorites as well, because I'm as a wrestling geek uh, that appealed mm-hmm. to me on many levels. But I'm a huge fan of all of his movies. So um, it's interesting. That one actually does feel the least like one of his films. Maybe so that's, that, maybe that's why, why I like, like it. <laughs> yeah, I could say. That. See, I, I like the all of them. The weirdest ones a lot, you know. Uh, See, that's the thing. I find also, them to be too weird. They're too weird for me. They they, they are completely bonkers. Um uh, they will never appeal to everybody. Um, I, you know, a, a mass audience. Maybe that's why it didn't get enough. But then the Oscars don't really care about mass audiences a lot of the time. No. You know, they they do their own thing. They've got their own criteria. Correct. And I thought Black Swan would hit that criteria. But meh. I suppose it's the, the recipe, isn't it? If your character's got some kind of mild disability, they go, Oscar, there you go. They can't speak properly. Here you go, Oscar. Well, I mean, come on. Uh, you know. Um, Natalie Portman did win Best Actress for 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 her work there. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad for that because that was well deserved. Absolutely, that, she she looks like she's actually having a breakdown in that. She might have well been doing that. Oh, uh, very possibly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then number one. Oh God, this this what I'm still angry about this, <laughs> and and there's two movies I think could have won this i i can't fully decide basically shakespeare in love won an oscar over two movies that i i think are amazing again saving private ryan uh, like i don't care if it's american like jingoistic movie it's great it's great i don't care brilliant but life is beautiful as well it, it's the italian one how, well you gotta choose how, one of them how? you gotta choose one of them ah, i'm gonna pick then just because I'm going to go with Life is Beautiful because that's a more Oscar-y movie. That had more chance of winning, I think. Saving Private Ryan is a war movie. Oscar is a bit hit and miss with war, isn't it? But Life is Beautiful is about the war, but it's so much more than that, you know. Um, I, I don't know how Life is Beautiful doesn't, doesn't win that. They did win some awards, if I remember. They won Best uh, best um, Actor and... the Best Actor. They won Best Actor and maybe Best... Uh, uh, maybe, maybe Best... The screenplay or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to remember. What? Oh no! No, it won I best. Mean, that's good. It won cause... best foreign. It, it, it won best foreign film. Ah, see. So I guess they didn't want to give it both. Maybe that was the thing, the thought process, which I, I can kind of understand. Yeah. Okay, give it to Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> no, but you have to also look at look at the, the, the situation back then. It was very very rare for a foreign film to win best picture. That's why they have best foreign film. Or best non-English language film, you know. So even be nominated is amazing, to be honest. Yeah, correct. I mean, if you look back at the history of Oscar, there are very few. There, I think there's like been twelve foreign films that have been nominated, and most of them have been within the last decade. Yeah, 
yeah it's it's a very recent phenomenon isn't it um, yeah which is great i love to see it but uh right. it's it's a shame so they, it, it won win, three it, it won three win it won three oscars it won best foreign language film best uh, original dramatic score music and it won best mm-hmm. actor it, it yeah, lost he had to win best actor for that that's right it lost uh, best film editing best uh, screenplay written directly for the screen best director and best picture those are the ones that lost but i love i love showing someone that film who's never seen it before because when i tell them there's a tonal shift i don't think they're expecting the level of tonal shift correct to go from a nice romantic com- slapstick comedy to a, to a, harrowing... to a Nazi movie. <laughs> and even in, even when you tell people it's got that in it, they still don't expect it to be hit as much as it hits. You know, it's like, Correct. oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's literally one of the most tear inducing films ever made. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It's, it's, it's a great movie. But my um, I actually didn't watch it by choice originally. Um, my school made me watch it. I was in a class, a film class, and uh, that was that was put on, and I was like, oh, this is going to be boring. What like an Italian like comedy? That's what it seemed like at first. And by the end, I loved it that much. I went and bought the DVD that day. Oh wow, <laughs> that's amazing. I was like, yep, that's it. This is perfect. Thank you so much, teacher. Oh wow. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right. So, John, would you like to once again tell people uh, where they can find uh, John Parker? Yeah. Come and listen to all, all of my shows. I've got Bat Minute about Batman. Surprise, surprise. Miami Minutes about Miami Connection. And Hedvig Inch by Angry Inch about the musical Hedvig and the Angry Inch. So, just put that in. I'm on Spotify, iTunes. It's not even called iTunes anymore, is it? Was it Apple Podcasts? Uh, everything, everything. You find me everywhere, and um, yeah, that's probably the best best thing. I mean, I'm on all social media myself as well. If you want to speak to me, um, I'm under my stage name of Cantina Turner because we are a dinner lady themed band. So you can find me <laughs> under that on most social media. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, MoveAroundMinute.com. So, John, I've, I've had a great time this week. I really appreciate you joining me. I, I hope you enjoyed Thank yourself, you. too. I did, indeed. I had the best time. The best time. Wow. Now you're starting to sound like Potter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go all out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great. I will be back on Monday with a new guest. Everyone have a great weekend. And in, until Monday, hot dog. Hot dog! I love you truly, truly dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.